Welcome to Cambridge Stronger, where culture counts and values matter most. I'm your host, Amy Weber, and joining me today is Brent Shimon, the co-founder of S&D Capital. Thanks for joining us today, Brent. Thanks for having me. So I know a lot about your story, and I think one of the unique and special things about this particular segment of my podcast is... I have not had the opportunity to have somebody as young as you are share a story of ground up and how they got started. And it's one of those things, in my opinion, that intimidates people about getting into our business. So talk about how you got your start and how did you get to where you are today? Well, I'll appreciate the young comment. <laughs> I'm, I'm one of the older ones on the team. But, you know, to me, I was always, always interested in, in finance in just managing money, worked at a young age and so forth. But the real story behind it is I was hit by a car when I was 14, riding a moped, and I broke my leg. Got a small settlement out of it because it wasn't my fault. I don't come from any money of any means, and my parents had the foresight to invest it. And so back then, there's no iPads, no tablets, nothing like that. And I was reading the prospectuses that came with my brokerage statement. I was in a cast for nine months, so I was running out of things to do. And then I remember looking at a statement and it was like, you know, $25,000 and it went to 27,000. And I thought, well, man, if this isn't the easiest thing in the world, I just made two grand and I didn't do anything. And so I went out and I shadowed the advisor I had, spent a whole day with him. And I remember he left at 3.30 to go coach his kids sports. And I thought that was something that was pretty valuable and pretty meaningful to me. And the other shadow I did was follow an engineer around that literally watched paint dry for DuPont. And he had to punch out at five o'clock. And I just thought, I think I'll take the first route. And so I started my career at a bigger brokerage and was there for six years and really liked it. You know, good firm, good training ground and so forth. And some mentors that I had had encouraged myself and Frank to really consider going independent. And so we did that at a different BD for a, a quick stint that was owned by one of the large insurance companies. And then we found Cambridge. We've been here since 2010. It was just probably Frank, myself, and maybe two team members at the time in 2010. And today we are at 13 with a couple of interns usually running around. And it's been fun. And we just moved buildings into what we call a real office now because we were always in pretty modest means. You know, we, we internally said the first 15 years were great and the next 15 should be even better. And we've really put a lot of effort into building a team. And that background really comes from when I was at my first company. I was 21 when I started. And so I would hang out with a lot of the staff on Friday nights after work or Thursday night after work because most of the advisors were 50 plus and so forth. And I was the only kid per se. I remember just being with the staff and there was one secretary per se and she would always have a different opinion or a different take on the politics within the office. And I remember I went to her and I said, you know, Joni, I said, uh, you know, just you, you handle yourself extremely different from the rest of the staff when we go out after work. And she said, well, John takes care of me. He empowers me to make decisions. And I have a say and I have a voice and I actually have interaction with the clients and I'm not just, you know, pushing papers. And that stuck with me from that moment. And so every team member we've had, every team member we've built, everything we've done along the way has been around that core principle, if you call it that, to empower them. 
And that's why we build a really good team with extremely low turnover. And it's also a lot of family. My wife works here. Frank's wife works here. My mother works here. But, you know, Mars, my cousin. So, I mean, we've joked that it is family, but, you know, it really is. Even the ones that aren't blood family, we do treat everybody like family. You know, try to be open, try to be honest, try to listen. And we've been blessed to have a great team that has helped build us to, to where we are today. You've mentioned Frank a couple of times. Talk about how, how do you find a partner? Like if, if you're somebody out there who would rather work on a team than as a solo, how did, how did you guys find each other? The sales manager at the time walked his six foot six guy into my office and said, hey, he's out by you. Can you take him on some joint meetings? And I was like, yeah, sure. You know, back then you'd, you know, you're looking things to do because you can't fill an entire day when you don't have that many clients. I said, he's out by me. Where are you at? And he said, Cleveland, and I'm in Toledo. And if you're familiar with Ohio Geographical, it's about two hours apart. And I said, Don, he said, he's not by me. He's in Cleveland. He said, yeah, but it's going that way. You know, you're on the east side of Toledo. It's headed that way. And, you know, I I was not married. I didn't have children at the time. And so I thought, let's get in the car and see how this goes. And we did a bunch of joint meetings together, you know, with no real idea of, of kind of a partnership at that time. We just knew we worked well together. And for anybody that's been around us, we are completely opposite. We score opposite, but we have the same core values. And so that's where we're able to meet in the middle on pretty much everything. So in 16 years of basically doing business together, 15 as a formal partnership, I don't know that we've had one real argument. We've had disagreements for sure. And I always describe it as I'm trying to go 200 miles an hour and he's pulling me back to make sure I don't go too fast, too hard. So it, it, I think to me, it's really the core value piece and his personality and, and mine are, are in the opposite direction. So it works well together from that standpoint. If I had somebody else like me next to me, we'd probably be chasing after the same thing and not making sure we're looking over our shoulders so that we've got this, that, and the other covered. So it's just, it's worked really well. I've got that question a ton of times. I don't know that there's a secret sauce to it. I just know that we, you know, we, we are family. When we were moving our office this last week, we have an old coat hanger on the bottom of it is a note from his dad. And when we first started in 06 and it said, best of luck boys, love dad. And I don't get to see his dad that much, you know, cause he's in Cleveland and so forth. But he, I'm jokingly, we call him Papa Scrank because he's Frank as well. And so they call him Papa Scrank. So, you know, everything around SDC is, is, is of family nature, whether you're blood or not blood. And that's really what has allowed Frank and I to, to build the, the you know, business that we have today. The message I heard loud and clear from listening to you just now was somewhat like any other relationship, opposites can attract and it can be really successful to have opposites working together, but you've got to respect the differences, right? So knowing that you're both different and you're bringing different perspectives, as long as each of you respect those differences, that could be why it's been such a successful partnership or at least part of it. Yeah, for sure. You know, we're a, a LLC and we elect as an S corp as 50, 50 owners. And so technically, you know, you're supposed to take a owner distribution at, at equal and so forth. And so in the beginning, we were going to keep a scorecard on who produced more and, you know, make sure we were getting the revenue even and so forth. We never did that once. <laughs> we sat down the first week to do it. I looked at him, he looked at me and I was like, let's go to B-dubs because this, this just does, doesn't feel like us. And, and, we, and so we, we, when I say core principles, that really is at the, at the foundation of where we make decisions. And we do that today. We just had some internal discussions how we were COVID exhausted. 
And I think everybody's gotten to that point. But internally in the office, it was getting real picky, real kind of, you know, you didn't do this, you did that, so on and so forth. And then it just kind of hit me out of nowhere. I'm like, Frank, everybody's exhausted. They've been pushing papers for, for 13, 14 months and don't get to see what we normally do. We do big client events, big, you know, after hours, golf outings, so forth. I mean, with three, four, 500 people. And they haven't been able to experience that to see the account they set up for the grandson at the picnic, you know, and, and whatnot. And so we just try to recognize that when something's not working, we got to change it. And we were able to get the band back together a couple of weeks ago and did an actual company retreat and run it out of a bowling alley and some golf simulators. And, you know, so I think to this day, we still do the same thing when we don't agree or we agree or, or we see something where we need to be looking forward. We both try to do that together. You mentioned interns earlier. Where do you find them and how do you incorporate them into what you're describing? So oddly enough, they found us. We spent a lot of time on marketing and branding. And so we actually have a YouTube channel. You can, we do a lot of video content, that age demographic, their number one search function is YouTube. And so three or four years ago, I got randomly got two emails that said, Hey, I'd like to see if I get an internship available for the summer. And I just remember kind of took it to our weekly meeting and I was like, uh, guys, we don't really have an internship program, but we could. And so that that's what we did. We went off and running. All of them have come back for a second summer or asked to come back. We didn't bring one back because it just, she wants more of a bigger corporation job. And so I didn't want to rob somebody else of an experience. And it was kind of COVID, you know, a lot of the big companies aren't doing them this summer, but because I knew this wasn't what she wanted to do long-term, I didn't think that was fair. So we have two this summer. So oddly enough, their mom is a dental hygienist for another advisor in town that is 65 and wants no, nothing to do with spending time on a young person and help them get in the business. And so they sent us their resume. And so they're two twins. Their projects for the summer is a, a senior advisor is joining us and they're going to spend a lot of time digitizing all of his files. But Already within a couple of weeks, they are working on pulling new account paperwork. So learning the systems, learning Redtails, our CRM, or big Office 365, learning our SharePoint site, our server. And so we'll engage them as far as they can go. The first two that I had actually built us a client matrix with a three-year trailing revenue and a three-year trailing average asset. So we could actually segment clients. And then we had some subjective questions. You know, it's just been kind of, what do they got? What is their skill set? And I'll tell you, if, if you're not embracing some of the things that, you know, now me at 42, that they can do at 21 when I started, I think you're missing a real opportunity because I've seen them do things with an Excel spreadsheet that there is no way I'm going to take the time to learn how to do, but there's things that we use today and use every day. And so we've always embraced that. I've always said along the way, we always wanted to hire with a 10 year down, downward curve. And so that's where the internship piece has kind of been there. That's great. In a way, you're giving back, in my opinion, to the industry, too, because we need more of them. So thanks for taking that risk and putting that together. You mentioned a couple of things. I know your office is extremely tech savvy. Thank you for always pushing and challenging Cambridge to get better and bigger as it relates to technology as well. But what would you say are a couple of the biggest technology initiatives that you've implemented that have helped propel your business? So we were 100% in the cloud before COVID. And so when we had to shut down and send people home, which was long conversations on whether we should or shouldn't, 
but we were able to do it a week before the state of Ohio went down. And so because we can operate anywhere, we were able to have our best year ever last year. And so to me, that being in the cloud, remote capability is now even more huge today, but I think it was important before. And we only experimented with that because Brittany, who is our most senior employee, I was getting married and moving two hours away. And we said, okay, we'll give it a try. <laughs> and it worked. And then Frank got married and Frank was moving two hours to Cleveland. And I remember having a one-on-one -on -one with Eric about how can we make this work? And I still tease him today because he wasn't so sure we could make it work. And you did. So technology-wise, above and beyond that, any pain point that a client has, we try to remove it. And sometimes that's manual lifting or because just the way the system in the industry is, you can't fix it. But a lot of video, a lot of how-tos, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Jones, you're now a client. Here's how your statements look. Here's how they're going to read. Here's how we're going to get you set up for online access. You know, so different things along the way where we just try to take the customer experience and anywhere we can leverage technology to enhance or embrace that, that's where we go. Great. Thank you for sharing. I also know that you mentioned it earlier as well, marketing and branding have been important for your company. Talk about how you approach that. A lot of people in our industry, I find, actually don't invest much in those things. And that doesn't mean you can't be successful without investing in marketing and branding. But for you, and in my opinion, watching as you've grown since you joined us, a lot of it is about leveraging that technology, but in the spirit of marketing and branding. Absolutely. I think that has been the biggest attribute to our growth. And so we do it in a, in a variety in a lot of ways. And some have worked and that's where we stick with those and some didn't. And so we moved on in a different direction. But if you go back to the beginning when 06, when we, we left the bigger and went independent, we were S&D Capital, which is Shimon and Dobnikar. And it was about six weeks after that, I was like, Frank, we didn't do this right. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, we're building it. We're trying to build a team at that point. We knew we wanted to build a team. I'm like the name's got to come off the door. It's got to come off the door. This isn't Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe Law Firm. Like, like I mean, that's what, that's what attorneys do, right? Everybody's, it's, their name's on the door. And I said, we're trying to build something that lasts beyond us. And so that's, that's again, a core principle or a guiding philosophy. It's got to last beyond us. So we played on words and went to simplify and diversify capital. And so we got lucky. Today, you will hear us pretty much primarily say SDC. So S&D Capital and just SDC. It rolls off the tongue better. It sounds better. The logo is better for it. I mean, so everything there. And the idea behind that is as we go and, and now have other business ventures and so forth, we have SDC companies. And so we have a realty company and then we have the investment advisory and soon we'll probably add an insurance arm and so forth. And so there's a very large RIA in our town that kind of was very similar. And in all honesty, I kind of copied it because it works well for them and they manage over $4 billion. <laughs> so now get into kind of the weeds from a marketing standpoint, client events, 110%. Back when we didn't really have a money or a budget, I was at a fundraiser with a client and the golf auction went up, which was for 24 golfers, a hot dog and a bag of chips at the turn. And I don't remember what I think I spent, maybe a thousand dollars or 1200 or something. And I just raised my hand and thought, this would be awesome. 
24 clients out there golfing with us and we'll, we'll call ourselves a golf event. And I called Frank afterwards and I said, hey, I bought us something at the auction. He said, what'd you do now? And I said, I bought a golf outing. No, oh my God, we don't, we don't have any money for that. You can't, you can't. I said, just trust me. I, I think, I think this is something we can go with here. So we haven't done a golf outing. So that was probably eight, nine years ago. And we did it for six or seven in a row. The last one was a full morning flight, 36 teams, with a family picnic in between and a full afternoon flight, 36 teams. Now, that is a long day for the SDC team because you are out there at 5 a.m. You are doing everything under the sun and you are shaking hands and smiling for the entire day. But we had, I think, over 500 families that were there, total, total people. So when we do a client event, you can bring your mom, your cousin, your brother, your son, your stepson, your grandkids, whatever you want. We use the term internally, it's a carnival, but it almost really is. We'll have professional face painters. We're giving an experience that they are remembering. And so we, we, we were getting asked last, you know, last summer during COVID, if we're going to do an event. And I'll push the edge quite a bit, but I do think if you had an outbreak, I don't know that you want to be the firm that spread COVID back then. So we just booked it this morning. We were back August 8th. We're going back to a full-blown outdoor picnic because people are asking for it. And now with the vaccines out and it's outdoors and you can have space, we feel very comfortable with that. But the real premise of that marketing piece of client events is an experience. So we used to do Christmas parties or we've done Christmas parties with a real Santa Claus that you're spending some money on with a real photographer. And people still use those as their family Christmas picture. They knew they could show up and knew that you got somebody that was the real deal. And we bring videographers in that are taking video of the events and then we splice those into our marketing videos. But to me, it's all about that experience piece. And so you're, you're giving them a night out. And a lot of our clients are blue collar, average everyday, hardworking people, a lot of union labor in Ohio. They're not attending 15 Christmas parties. They're hoping that SDC is doing another one so that they can get a night out. And if they got a bunch of kids, they're loving it because kids are always welcome. There is in excess of 20 kids under the age of 12 within the SDC family. So we do a lot of things centered around kids and that's really been at the core of our marketing piece. Now, above and beyond that, we've spent money on, on a, what I would think is a pretty forward thinking website, a lot of video, a lot of real graphics. We actually have the, I can't think of the terminology, but you have a color and you actually have the number when you go to somebody to have a marketing material made, and a lot of places are like, wow, you're a small business. I didn't think you'd have all that. And so there's actually a rule set for anything branding that comes out. It's got to be in this color, this shape, this format. And now my, by no means do I do all of that. I mean, that's all of the team. But we give away a lot of SDC gear where you can be, you know, randomly somewhere and you'll see somebody that's not even a client wearing a shirt. And so that marketing branding piece has been really huge and instrumental. And when we're giving something away, we want it to be quality. I don't want them to, you know, feel like I gave them a pen and, you know, every bank down the street gives a pen, but they're going to walk out of here with a Yeti, you know, that, that you still see people drinking coffee in it all the time. One of our interns, he just came back today, been here for two, two summers now. He still drinks coffee on his SDC Yeti. Got to spend money to make money. So within reason, but I think that marketing piece, I lost a case probably 10 years ago to a bank trust department. And I knew the guy somewhat personally, and I knew some people around him. And I asked him, I said, you know, 
I just, I just would like to learn for myself, how come I didn't get to business? And he said, well, they have a team and you don't. And, and, and there's defining moments in a career. And, and that was one where I'm like, yeah, I do, but I wasn't selling the message. And so, so I've, I've never made that mistake again. And so, you know, it's just different things like that. I think you got to be open in your marketing approach. There hasn't been a ton that hasn't worked. We use, we use a lot of Facebook. When you take the photographers and you bring them to an event and you have a drone so that you're getting overhead, you know, footage and people can see how many people are there, you're putting yourself in a category that is almost, you're instantly verified is the term we use internally. So if I'm on Facebook and I see that Paul, Sue, and Tom were at the SDC event, and I know Paul, Sue, and Tom, I instantly, if I respect Paul, Sue, and Tom, I instantly can verify that SDC is somebody that I should probably consider doing business with. And so the events are expensive and they're, and they're large and so forth, but one, it is a, it's a true appreciation to the existing customers, but then externally, it is a lot of marketing that has helped us and people go, man, that's, I want, how do I get to be a part of that? I'll become a client. And we don't, we don't segment them out. There's not no A, B, C, and D. Now we've gone to that a little bit where we do some smaller for some select because we've gotten you know, much larger. And there's just, when it's 500 people, you could miss 220 of them and not even get a chance to say hi and hello. So we have started to segment out where I have a niche at a, at a local BP refinery. And, and that's my biggest client base. And I specifically do events just for them because they know that I appreciate the business and, and the work that they allow us to do for them. So a huge part of what you've been describing, I can hear, is really about client appreciation, ratcheting up that client experience for your current clients. Do you track any metrics around getting new clients out of these events? We, we know what comes in, but because we're hitting in so many variety points, you know, so, so here was marketing during COVID, right? We sponsored the local hospital shifts and had a food truck come because the world was shut down, but they were still allowing food trucks and so forth, right? I couldn't be there and throw an event. Do I, can I tell you what came from that? No, not necessarily, but I think, so one key point I missed here, every client event we do has a charity involved. And so we'll sponsor that event. Usually we'll try to very much spread that around where we've done, you know, battered woman's shelter, a food pantry, a church, a school, veterans, local police, local school foundation. I mean, I could go on and on. It, it's, a, it's a wide encompassing range that at the cause has been really the, the give back to the clients. And a lot of them will write checks on the spot. It's not a requirement, but when you find a cause that's near and dear to them, or they just know that we pick quality organizations out there, then they're happy to be a part of it. They want to be a part of it. They, the one time we didn't do a charity because we thought, well, we don't want to really ask them this, that, and the other. We got feedback that that was the wrong move. You know, so it's, it's, just, it's just a variety of things, but I, I really kind of forgot that piece of, of the charity component has been a real driver, you know, in that. And, and there's always a quick speech. We don't allow any wholesalers in, no offense to them, but, you know, we don't want to take their money and feel like we're slanting a view or having to do this presentation and, and so forth. And there's always a quick speech and introduce any of the new team members. And, and there's always a thank you and a thank you again and a thank you again. And it really is. It, it, if not, no business came from it, we'd be completely fine because it's retaining what's there and they greatly appreciate it. 
How do you choose the charities? Do you have a process for that? Does the team get involved or how does that work? Always the team, everything. If that's the old Notre Dame coach, always the team, right? But, you know, I think it's in the beginning, it would just be like, hey, what about this? Oh, yeah, that's great. And now we take it to the whole team and say, hey, maybe has got a charity that they that they want to get behind. You know, let's let's do that. And it'll be random. You know, there's not a there's not a set process to it. it doesn't have so much criteria or so many dollars go to this or so many dollars go to that. It's like if they've got a movement that inspires or gets behind what we think will resonate with our clients, we're all for it. So the last one was Tunnels to Towers, which I saw a bunch of commercials with Mark Wahlberg, right? I mean, that's literally all I saw. And I thought, well, I kind of respect him. And so we called him up. Oddly enough, there was a policeman randomly shot for, for no reason, left behind three children and a wife and Tunnels to Towers. And it was a real back in the protests and so forth during COVID and everything. It was a real charged incident here. And Tunnels to Towers paid off that house mortgage for that spouse. Pure chance, right? I didn't know they did that. I didn't know they paid off mortgages. And it was right in our own backyard. So that's an easy story to get clients to go, yeah, yeah, that's you guys picked another great one. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing. So you mentioned earlier that one of the reasons, well, these are my words, not yours, but one of the reasons that you were attracted to this profession was because you recognized right away there was some life balance. That person could leave at three o'clock and go to their child's sporting events. So tell us about your family and how do you spend your free time and what is, how do you make sure that you leverage that flexibility that this profession gives you? My wife's on the wall behind me, so I don't know how loud I can talk because she'll probably have a little different view. I don't, I don't leave much free time out there. I I like to go 100 miles an hour, if not even faster. And so right now I'm coaching Bobby's softball, Eli's baseball, Izzy's soccer, and then throw in tennis, gymnastics, volleyball, and I coach Eli's football right now. But I enjoy it. I enjoy every second of being out there. I think it's impactful, not just for my children, but the other children that I get to coach. For Eli's 12 as the oldest, Izzy's nine, Bobby is six, and then Lucy is behind at, uh, she'll be two August 1st. And we're not sure the tribe is complete yet. So there may be another one coming along. So I come from, you know, big family, 10 grandkids on my side and 14 or 15 on my wife's side. So there's like 42 of us just between just our immediate family, between all siblings and everything. But, you know, we, family's at the core of everything. It's at the core of everything we do. We took COVID days and embraced it and did a lot of family dinners at home because when it's spring sports, like right now, we are going from here to here to here to here. And I'm trying to figure out where can I fit it all in type scenario. But, you know, I still take the kids to school most days. I try to take a day off in the summer. I don't think that's going to happen this this year that we've got an acquisition and another one we're trying to line up and so forth. So I, I just don't think it's going to be that possible, but I'll probably slide out of here. And so, you know, your kids are only young once. I know that's cliche, but at the same token, I, I enjoy being with them, watching them grow. I enjoy teaching them and not in a you know, overbearing manner, but in a teaching manner, you know, to me, the same way we, we teach our clients, right? We're trying to teach them behaviors of, of how to get better with their finances. And you're trying to teach children, you know, how to become you know, good members of society and right from wrong and so forth. And there are days it is easy and there are days it is not because the world changes, you know, constantly, but, you know, our kids are great. They're, they're respectful. You know, they, they listen. Are they perfect? No. But family is at the core and, and they know that. And so they know when they treat each other, they know how to, how to go about it. I have seen that live and in person. You have great kids. So you're doing a good job. 
So travel. You like to travel. And in fact, I know you. when you travel, you take that group of great kids with you. And where, what's your favorite place? Where, you, where have you been and where do you want to go? Yeah, for sure. Travel is at the you know, root of, of family memories. Izzy takes a little uh, two-inch bottle, glass bottle, and collects sand from every beach we go to and writes a tag on it. And now Bobby likes to copy Big Sister, so she wants to do it too. But, you know, probably family spot is Marco, Marco Island, Florida. We've been there several times and with you guys and a lot of Cambridge people. And it's just a really good family spot. The kids are, are very comfortable. They know, you know, where certain things are now because we've been there so many times. And it's just a really nice spot to get away. Your cell phone service isn't the greatest. So you can kind of disconnect from the office a little easier. And then when there's no children, Aruba was where Alyssa and I honeymooned. And as the island says, one happy island, it lives up to that every time we have been there. That's great. Thanks for sharing. So you have given us a lot of great ideas. Anything I haven't asked that you think a listener, somebody who is either already in our business and trying to get better and get some new perspective or maybe attracting someone to our business, anything I haven't asked that you think we should be talking about? You know, to me, the profession is, is about helping people. And, and even as we've grown, and it's easy to get distracted from this, but to me, you got into this to, to do one thing, and that was to help people. And I think sometimes you can grow or people will talk about this, that, and the other. And, and my dad was probably the one that brought me back to it the most because I'd say, man, dad, I brought in 400000 this week. You know, I've got a 600000 And he would look at me and he'd go, so did you help anybody set up $50 a month? And I was like, yeah, you're right. You're right. And, and that's where a lot of our clients have come from. You know, I was 21 when I started. And so to me, there's a lot of opportunity and there's a lot of smart young people coming up in this generation that if you're willing to work, you can make this field, you know, your own. And I, and I've seen that even at 42, when I'm still one of the younger advisors in the room, if you're not embracing that technology and where it's moving to, yeah, you'll be fine, you know, the next 10 or so years. But as that money starts to move down and so forth, to me, you've got to be focused on that client experience. And I wish there was more younger than me in the room, because I think there's a lot of people that need help. I don't think that the industry is going all robo or anything in that fashion. I use the same way as the way TurboTax came out and people said, oh, it's going to get rid of accountants. Exact opposite. Accountants are the most software used by accountants is into it, which owns TurboTax. So, you know, to me, it's an industry that's got a ton of upside, a ton of opportunity. And I think you're really sitting at the sweet spot of where the, the more senior advisors are going to start to transition and looking for somebody to step in. And we're starting to see that in the conversations we have of you've built a team and it was just me and an assistant. And I'd really like to make sure my clients are in a position that they're taken care of when something happens to me and make sure my spouse is being taken care of. And again, that's kind of the marketing piece. It goes back to the beginning conversation where it's not something we have on our website. Hey, call us for succession and acquisition. They just know that we care at the core of what we do and we're here to help people. And if you're conveying that message, you know, the sky's the limit. That is Cambridge Stronger. So Brent, thank you for trusting Cambridge and being a part of our family. I think our core values resonate, which is part of the reason why hopefully we're at least a little part of your support unit as you guys continue to grow and, and take over the world. So thanks for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for you and everything that Cambridge does for all of us. 
Thank you for tuning in to Cambridge Stronger. I invite you to listen to my podcast episodes where I have candid conversations with genuine inspirational financial professionals and leaders within this fiercely independent financial services industry. The best of the best, the strongest of the strongest. You can listen to my podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and the Podbean app. If you like what you've heard, please give us a review and head on over to our blog for more content at CambridgeStronger.com. That's CambridgeStronger.com.